When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Rates and Barrels. It is Friday, January 7th. Derek Van Riper, Ito Saris, Bricciaroli got the whole band back together here on this Friday. On this episode, we will share New Year's resolutions inspired by our colleague Andy McCullough. We are going to not only share our own personal resolutions for the upcoming year, which I know everybody is anxiously tuned in for, but resolutions for big league teams as they try and make things better for themselves in 2022 once they're able to do so. I know we're still limited to minor league deals and hiring bench coaches and hitting coaches and saw a rumor from Zach Buchanan that Eno is a candidate for the uh, (laughs) bench coach position for the Mets. So, you know, if you accept that position, I would appreciate it if you told me first, just so I know (laughs) to pack bags accordingly to go figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And so I can at least break the news on break the pod some news. to then take advantage of what you're doing. So just please make this as beneficial to me as you possibly can on your way out the door to become a member of the Mets coaching staff. All right. I do have I do have one friend in baseball who's got a running joke that he thinks that's where I'll end up is on the bench next to someone. But I just think that's insane. Um, next to Buck Showalter would be truly insane. That would be um, really funny. Having covered Buck, stuff. yeah, having covered Buck, having known Buck, um, that would be a tough sell. I love you, you know. That would be a tough sell. I think you have a better chance joining their analytics department um, than joining Buck's bench coach team, especially Wayne Kirby. Uh, is about to be hired. Uh, Joey Cora, uh, Wayne Kirby is like an original Buck Walter guy, so that mm. that definitely fits. Uh, what's interesting about Joey Cora, guys, is he's like a handpicked Lindor uh, guy to help Lindor. They're from the same hometown. Mm. Um, idolized Lindor. Uh, Lindor idolized Joey Cora growing up, um, and you know that's a Buck move, like a chess piece move. So I'm trying to think if he hired Eno, who would Eno be in charge of keeping in line? Right they'd, have to, they'd have to hire like Jed Lowry next. Yeah, Signed Pete Alonso. They're, they're like, you know, you're in charge of only Pete Alonso. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't even know Pete Alonso. It's fine, you know. That, that's yeah. it. I, I know a lot of people associate Eno with pitchers all the time, but I really, of the players on the Mets, Brandon Nimmo is the first player I oh. think of on that roster when I think of Eno. We had <sighs> we had an amazing conversation actually. Uh, See? We, that was that was that was really fun. It's for a piece that I'll I'll come out with this spring about um, not swinging, and uh, Brandon Nimmo is elite at not swinging, and so and he's just a he's just a fun guy. He's just gregarious and uh, they smile, just a great smile. Oh my God! You know what would be terrifying? You know, if they put you in charge of uh, Jacob Degrom and Max Scherzer, and they're like, these oh are your God. people. <laughs> <laughs> the two people that just make my insides wither. Yeah, you have to report to Buck also. Yeah. To like, yeah. Have fun. Uh, I think I would take up coffee. 
I'd take up on something stronger than coffee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, we're off something to, a to match the intensity. <laughs> Fantastic start to uh, this Friday show. So. Uh, New Year's resolutions are the theme. Look, I, I think uh, it, it's a it's a year to be optimistic because uh, we've been taking L's the last two years. Again, not the three of us necessarily, but just everyone in general. It kind of feels like we're taking L's as a as a team, big broad team, like all of us. Humanity, humanity, right? So we have to stay optimistic. We can't take another L. You can't have a three year losing streak as humanity <laughs> can't imagine what that would do to us like i've seen what a two-year losing streak is doing to us and it's ripping us all apart so focusing on the positives do you guys actually like to make new year's resolutions like like brit i think of you as the most dedicated athlete of the three of us by far Eno and i are like battling for the silver in there i give it to, i actually have to give Eno the silver because i actually saw him out running recently like i there's proof. You've never seen the exercise. <laughs> I was I was standing there like daydreaming, throwing the ball with Hazel. So I'm clearly in the third position right now. But what do you think about New Year's resolutions, Britt? Is that something you believe in? Uh, actually, no, I hate them. Um, here's my opinion on, on New Year's resolutions. Um, one, the New Year actually starts for everybody on their birthday. So if there was a time that you were going to like make a change, have a fresh start, it should maybe be your birthday. Mm. And two... Um, the, my thing with New Year's resolutions is most people only keep them statistically. I think they're already broken. What's today? January 7th. Um, people don't keep them because what happens is, and my, one of my sisters who I love dearly, I have three sisters is like the epitome of this. Like her resolution is work out every day, drink a green smoothie every day, do yoga every day. And people set these like such high expectations that they have no choice but to fail. Nobody ever says I'm going to do. 10 minutes of movement, right? Nobody ever sets these tiny little micro goals. Maybe your goal is to run a marathon, but you still have to set these like micro goals along the mm. way. Like my goal every day is just to hit 10,000 steps. There's days where I just walk my dog as my exercise and that's fine. There's day, lots more days where I go to the gym and I lift or I do, mm. you know, Pilates or whatever. Um, but I think you have to set yourself up to succeed and people don't do that with New Year's resolutions. So that's kind of like my main problem with them. It's like, well, think, I'm going to eat healthy every day. Just never happens. How about yeah. most days? And you're, and you're, uh, yeah. And you're, you're tapping into this, the, the, the thing that I have with self-improvement, which is incremental is way better. Um, and like these, these huge life, I know it happens. It works for some people. Some people will run up against some sort of health problem and be like, well, I just need to cut red meat out completely now from now on or whatever it is, you know? And that, that if, you know, if you're facing like something really big, like sometimes you can make that life decision. If you need to lose, you know, 60 pounds, then you need to make a huge decision to lose that much. But I think for the, for the, the broad swath of the population, just something smaller, uh, that is attainable, uh, makes sense. I do think that like having some sort of year long goal makes sense. I, I, I'm interested to like to hear from you uh, about like your lifting. Cause like, so our last year I ran 750. That was a goal for me, 750 miles. I made it to 760 or so. Um, I'm, I'm struggling with the number. I'm going to do a new number this year. It might only be like 800, 850. I'm going to run an official half marathon. So that might be my goal, but it, I'm not doing that from zero. I ran 13 miles in one sit in one go last year. So I'm like, but this time I want to get the number and go do it. Um, and maybe I only run 800 or 850, but I do like setting a numerical goal. So do you have in your lifting program, like, do you have like something you want to do this year that you haven't done? You want to 
you know, you want to deadlift something or you want to squat something you haven't done before? Yeah, I want to squat 300 pounds, um, which I've been nice. chasing for a little while. And so, yeah, again, like you go in increments, right? And you you kind of have that goal, I think, and you have that. For me, that's what gets me to the gym every day is I have that long-term mm -hmm. goal in mind. But yeah. also, like you were saying, the tiny goals, like, okay, today I'm doing five by five at 80%. And I feel terrible. Well, let's just get through this. Let's just like, let's make sure we do just, that. Yeah. yeah, just just every concentrate on every rep. Just try to get through every little little step, and don't get too overwhelmed with oh my gosh, two twenty five feels terrible today. How am I ever going to squat three hundred? You know, um, I think you have to just take it in this tiny little day to day approach. Like I've been learning Spanish for the last year, and the, what's really been working for me is ten minutes. I say to myself, at least ten minutes a day, you have to do Spanish. Some days I do it for an hour because I get caught up and I'm like, yeah, let's go. Other days I'm like looking at my watch like, all right, it's been eight minutes. It's been nine minutes. You know, like it's a struggle. Oh, but man, I, I need to step up my Spanish. I'm doing yeah. Duolingo and you can keep your streak alive on Duolingo by almost it's like two minutes. Yeah. And, and I've been so keeping my thing. streak alive, but I just I feel like that's not enough. I need to. I, need, I like this 10 minute. I might borrow the 10 minute from you. Yeah. Because, again, you're never too busy. 10 minutes is a great number. I think for a lot of people, that's why I mentioned it with like exercise and movement. 10 minutes is a great number, because if you're feeling good, no matter what it is, you're going to blow past that 10 minutes, 10 minutes mm. of reading, 10 minutes of studying, 10 minutes of walking. Um, but if you and don't, if you're feel not good, feeling good, you can you can grit out 10 minutes. Yeah. 10 minutes. Everyone has 10 minutes. No one's too busy for 10 minutes. So right. I, I, you know, I think, you know, you, you get these bigger numbers. People are like, I'm going to do this for an hour a day. And like, I don't always have the hour. People don't mm -hmm. always have the hour, but 10 minutes. Again, this is how you like approach these chunks, right? These tiny little yeah. things. This is how people write books. They don't sit down and write books. Like I read Stephen King's book all about this. He writes like a chunk a day. He has like a period where he writes in the morning and that's it. He doesn't just sit at his computer and type away all day. That's it. That he seems has a like a better thing. way to live your life. Did you did you make any resolutions, Derek? No, I, I didn't. I, I'm kind of in the the brick camp of they just don't work if you do them right. And I I, I have enough random times where I'm like I'm going to try something new that, that pop up during the year where I, I feel like yeah a birthday resolution or even just like a yeah I feel like a garbage today. I was going to try to try to do this pivot to make things better. So I, I don't use the start of the new year quite that way. Uh, but I think it's if that's what works for you, by all means do it. Um, I think it's interesting too. We um, we're getting questions about this a little bit on Twitter. People keep asking because of the news from Thursday that the Athletic is being purchased by the New York Times. Is the podcast going anywhere? No, it's not. Like I, I think as far as the three of us go, like it. Is business as usual like it's what you've seen in tweets and press releases and stuff that's out there but it honestly does feel like things are exactly the same for the foreseeable future and you know so just want to throw that out there on the pod in case mm -hmm. people were like hey what's going on with you guys is the pod still going to be here yes uh changes to the schedule that were in place anyway those are still going to happen but as far as just like what we're doing that's not changing all that much yeah, you may be able to find us in some other spots, but you know, I, I think that you know, generally, self improvement is really difficult. I mean, like for example, I have this one thing on the phone, right? Like, I would like to like to look at the phone less. I would like to use my phone less. However, it's really important to my job. <laughs> you guys are both trapped in that. It is. It is actually a legitimate, important part of your job. For most people, it is purely a distraction. It is just a machine of distractions that 
it's up to us to really like find ways to just not get on there. Like, I don't know how you separate yourself from your phone unless you had two, unless you had like a work phone and a non-work phone. That almost seems like it's, it's adding well, garbage to garbage, like we <laughs> talked about before. The safe plus old place phone time with some stuff i like what Britt was saying uh i want to read more and she said she was saying that she puts the phone down at some point and, and reads to to go to bed and like uh, that was off air sorry <laughs> she didn't want well, anybody well, to read, read, an, read an actual book <laughs> don't yeah don't read on your phone don't don't yeah scroll so i think paper or i think uh i think i like that idea where i'm gonna try and, and put the phone down before bed and and not not look at it all the way up until i drop dead so Maybe that's why the, the the chargers for phones are so short. So that way you can't plug them in and read them in bed. You have to plug them in and they kind of only go to like the one side of the nightstand. But I think I've everybody out there has, has leaned awkwardly out yeah. of bed, <laughs> held the phone, like stretched to its limits because it was going to die. Like, I just got to <laughs> scroll Twitter. I just got to yes. see what these tweets are. It's 1230 at night. You get out of my bedroom. <laughs> what are you talking about? You what am I doing? <laughs> Yeah. Because we've all been there. So yeah. I guess if I had a New Year's resolution, it, it's to kind of continue something I started doing around the time that we moved to California last year and keep Twitter off my phone. Like, I don't have Twitter on my phone. Wow. I haven't had Twitter on my phone for months. I don't doom scroll it. I, mm. I can't. I, it's, it's not even always doom scrolling. Sometimes it's just like, it's fantasy baseball draft season. What are my friends doing? How do their teams mm. look? It's all going to be there when I get back to my computer. The stupid <laughs> algorithm even knows what I like now. It's it, starting to show it to you. And yeah. it spits it back at me anyway. Even though I think the <laughs> algorithm is stupid, it still actually kind of does its job. You don't need to doom scroll and do that all the time. So that that's the thing that I already changed that I'm just going to try and like stick to because sticking with these goals is really important. We should talk about this from a, a baseball perspective. Baseball and, and I think the, the practical application of this would be like, let's say, let's say you're the Kansas City Royals. Keith Law and I talked about them on the athletic baseball show that went up on Friday. We we're looking at the AL Central and you know what those teams might do when the lockout ends. The Royals are one of those teams that I think need to have realistic goals for what is going to come in 2022. If the Royals' goal, their singular goal is to win the World Series in 2022, <laughs> they're probably going to be disappointed. It's okay to want that, but I think the the intermediate goals are more important to them, right? It's to it's to bring up the the trio of young prospects and to have all three of them, Bobby Witt Jr., uh, MJ Melendez, and Nick Prado, to have all of those guys in the lineup as comfortable big league regulars by midseason or whatever their timetable is for that entire group. Have all those guys as fixtures in the lineup. And make a run at 500. Make a run at 500. Yeah, at least be a 500 team. At least be within three games of a playoff spot at the trade deadline or whatever the actual numbers are. I think that's the type of goal that a team like that should reasonably set. And you can be an exciting team that sells a lot of tickets that actually gets people watching you again without being a playoff team. I think they're among the groups of team among the group of teams that that could actually fit that sort of description. So I think the resolution definitely needs to fit the team correctly uh, the same way that it has to fit a person correctly. I'd add like um, hit hit on a pitcher or two. Yeah, for them. Yeah. I mean, especially because yes. they keep bringing up these guys and you you get every time you're like, oh, Jackson Coar or this guy or this guy. And you're like, come on. One of these guys got to be a little bit better than like a four or five ERA. Yeah, yeah. for sure. 
Yeah, but you're right. There are teams that like, okay, if you're the Orioles, like, don't you have to? They're in year four now of this rebuild. You have, I mean, Adley Rushman's probably going to be up at some point in time. I think we all know that. Um, do you need to see improvement in record? I think for a lot of these teams, the answer is yes. Um, you can't convince fans you're headed in the right direction when the record's headed in the wrong direction. Uh, Baltimore top of that list. I think Detroit's kind of an interesting team um, in terms of like, we saw some forward progress and forward momentum. And then obviously Texas, because what offseason we had, they sort of won the mini offseason, right? Them and the Mets. And um, the Mets we'll get to a little bit later because they're just a fascinating team, I think, stealing coaches from the Yankees and kind of drumming up what may be like a really renewed rivalry between those two teams. Uh, but, you know, there, it, it's interesting to me to look at the teams that yet yeah, are not going to compete for the World Series but need to compete for something like need to give their fans some kind of hope here. Um, and I think there's a lot of teams in that category, maybe not to the degree of Baltimore, but still in that category. Yeah. I think there's a few ways we could do this. We could go division by division and kind of throw some ideas out there for each team. We could go from the bottom of projected war to the top. And then the teams that are similar, at least get goals that kind of fit. I'm, I'm open to going about this, any Let's just of throw some ways. out there. I, I, I don't think yeah. if, we, if we if we go systematic, then we're going to be here for three hours. You That's know? true. Maybe a very so, long pod. I think just sure. what what's what jumps out at you. One thing that jumps out at me is um, I, I'm sorting the depth charts, and uh, the Rangers have crept their way up when it comes to to bats. They're 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 a representative team now with bats. Uh, they're they've got the worst pitching war, projected pitching war in baseball, and it's not like oh they're you know, in a group and they're no, they've got the worst by far. They've got seven, they've got 7.9 projected war from, uh, their, from their pitches. The second worst are the Orioles with 10. So yeah. they're, they're, they're missing some bodies and it usually, it, it does come from the bullpen and maybe bullpens are volatile and there's some names there that could get healthy. And we've talked about this, but really, uh, the second worst pitching staff in baseball behind the twins. So if I have a new year's resolution uh, for the Rangers, it is go get some pitchers. Yeah, yeah that, that's a that big one sense. for sure. And it, it, it's clear that they are willing to spend an ad. Like they've done that already this off season. They're going to continue doing that. They got the new stadium, all of that fits. We spent their, we spent that money in like, eight minutes on a pod, <laughs> like before they spent it. And they've been decent at, at finding pop-up pitchers like Kyle Gibson and Lance Lynn in the past. So they've got a, right. some, some, some sort of good process there and they need to follow that process. Maybe, maybe by a big name pitcher too. I, I just think there's a lot of teams in this position. Like I, I would say Minnesota is there. Yeah, as you I, mentioned. I had to They're, mention Minnesota, right Minnesota for sure. <laughs> Texas, but they Baltimore. don't spend it all. Well, yeah, Minnesota really doesn't. Cleveland Especially on arms. I mean, they spend on Donaldson, but they don't spend on arms. Like Cleveland is in what, a. What's Cleveland spot. doing? Yeah, but they're what do you watching their for, name change? I what mean, do you, that was what do you like, what do you wish for them? I mean, it, it's not it's not clear when I look across I that know. like oh they need to do this exactly. You know, no, I don't know. It's not. I, I do think, especially in like bigger market teams like the Yankees, like do you have to get a Correa or a Trevor Story because you look at the Yankees and they're so terrified of the luxury tax, right? I kept hearing about getting under the luxury tax. If they go with the stopgap option, like maybe an Aldrichton Simmons, uh, as they wait for their young prospects to maybe uh, get to that point, are they kind of waving the white flag on this year? 
But they're, they're they, the second best projected team right now in baseball. They're but they're always projected. But look at what have they done that's made them so much better than last year's team? Yeah, I know it's true. So why I, are I think, they projected? Think, right? Like why are they projected to be so high? Well, well, they just they were a good team last year too. It's just yeah, they, I, they? they're being right behind the Dodgers. I mean, they they made the playoffs. I, I think perception of the Yankees. They, this this is the problem with goal setting. The Yankees are. <laughs> I, I don't know. Imagine your most athletic friend where everything just comes so easy to this person and th- and they're the kind of person that's like I'm going to do an Iron Man this year and you're just yeah. like, come on who does that and I know people actually actually do Iron Man yeah, like, right. it's a pretty amazing I didn't know what it was until this until this break and I'm it's I'm impressed it's a lot yeah once you, you're like oh like all of that that all of that one day of those things like, all of that in one day what is it it's a half Yankees. marathon plus <laughs> Plus two miles of 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 uh, it's a mile of swimming, swim. a mile no, swim, a, mile, it's a, mile a swim. half marathon, and then like thirty miles of biking or something. Yeah, the I bar is doing different. one. You yeah. did, yeah, because I swam the mile in college and I I run marathons. So well, yeah, so you, you've kind of you've done two thirds of it already. Yeah, um, I don't. I'm not a crazy about spending that long on the bike, though. I'm not like part of the big peloton craze or anything, mm. so. I don't know how I would fare, but I'm curious where this analogy was going about the Yankees. They are well. The their Iron their Man. goal setting is like you it's know totally I'm going to do an Ironman. I'm going to win it all, or or it's like the, the college football programs that have to win a national championship or their season's a disaster. If Alabama yeah. doesn't win a national championship in college football, they had a bad year. That's it. There's there's like one goal by which they are measured. The Yankees are measured yes. that way. They're they're among, there's a, only a handful of teams like that. The Dodgers are like that now too. If yeah. those two teams don't win the World Series, they had a bad year. By on the micro level, their internal measures, correct. But on the micro level, how do you get that team, which is already projected as the second? How do you get that team to the World Series? You have to get a shortstop, don't you? Well, the thing that they're missing is the thing you don't get in free agency. The thing that they're missing is a combination of athleticism, defense, and offense at a premium defensive position, and starting pitching depth. Because behind Garrett Cole is always you can get that in free agency, but I think I think when we look at that, we're like, oh, Aaron Hicks is the center fielder, and you know, is it if it's Glaber at at short again? You know, right now Urshela's at top of short uh, in the depth chart. Like you usually like if they do buy a shortstop, he's going to have to move off a shortstop. So I actually do like the idea of getting shortstop. I think they should go get one of the shortstops because you get them for shortstop for two or three years. You think he's going to be their third baseman after geo. And you hope that one of your prospects becomes a young shortstop of the future. Right. And I, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I, it, it, it is hard to get premium defense and offense at a premium defensive position in free agency because you're buying post your post, you're buying post peak players. Well, there's still options. Trevor Story is still out there. I think here's the thing. If they don't get Trevor Story, they're not ruined. It's just the best thing they can do in free agency with the current build of their roster. Now, I think the other thing with the Yankees, kind of bridging the question that Britt put out there, like how do they really get there with this roster? By projection, they should be there already, even without a shortstop upgrade, even if they run it back with Glaber, which will piss everybody off in the Bronx and lead to that cloud of negativity that just hangs over the Yankees when they're not winning 10 to nothing every night. Okay. The problem, I think, based on how projections work and the makeup of that team, if that's an older team, we know older players have 
favorable projections that they're not as likely to meet to hit. because of health and decline. So Stanton has a uh, currently a 581 plate appearance, uh, three win projection, which is possible. But I mean, we know Stanton. A three win projection for a, a DH is actually pretty amazing. That and plate appearance number is staggering. For Stanton, yeah. is he's still hitting missiles. There's, there's like, in terms of underlying numbers, there's not a lot of evidence of uh, loss of of strength of any kind piss, for John piss, Carlos Stanton. Piss missiles, please. Yes. <laughs> te- please use the technical term. For <laughs> yeah. Piss missiles. Uh, so, you, I, I can entertain the argument that even though the projections have them as the second best team, Fangraphs war projections have them as the second best team in baseball right now, that they're not actually the second best team in baseball right now, that they're like the seventh or eighth best team in baseball because of added injury risk and a reduced likelihood of them actually hitting those projections compared to age and and oldness, which is a hard thing to fix in free agency (laughs) compared to the Dodgers or the Astros or the white side or the blue Jays would be a good example. Like the blue Jays are a younger team that Mm -hmm. have a lofty projection. They're probably more comparable to the blue Jays then the war projections would lead you to believe the blue Jays aren't a bad team. The blue Jays are a likely playoff team in 2022. So I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but yes, how are they going to fix their flaws? Their resolution should be upgrading at shortstop, but what else could they do? It's not a one like adding Trevor story doesn't fix some of the concerns. Britt has issues with the, the pitching depth. I think a lot rides on Luis Severino being healthy this year. That rotation looks a lot different with him versus how it looks without him. Uh, I, I'm still a Jordan Montgomery truther, so I look at him and I see what could go right more than what could go wrong. I think there were some steps forward last year. I mean, Cole at the top. You know, mentioned Luis Heel on our last episode as a guy that really could have like a more him. prominent role. I could definitely see that working out. Uh, Tyon could be a little better this year than he was last year. That wouldn't be much of a surprise. I don't think any of these things are stretches. I actually think the biggest stretch with the rotation is banking on a fully healthy Luis Severino. It's it's kind of like a fully or a Nestor Cortez man. repeat or a Nestor Cortez repeat. Yes. Relatively speaking, compared to other teams, we were just talking about teams at the bottom of the pile for pitching. The Yankees are in a good spot overall with what they have for pitching. And sure, could they do a little more? Will they do a little more? Probably. But I don't think that's a, a major weakness. I think it's actually a strength relative to the field. I have an idea for, for them. Trust your kids. Mm. Instead of mm. signing Brett Gardner again, uh, instead of signing Corey Kluber again, pencil in heel, pencil in Florial. Trust the kids. And, and have... Three roster spots. Hey, just have three roster spots next year. They're going to go to totally untested young players that you think are ready for the show. That's I'm a tall order in the Bronx. I know. I, mean, I, I like know. It, it's crazy in the Bronx. That's a tough place. This is in Kansas City. <laughs> I know. And it, and it didn't work out necessarily with Clint Fraser or whatever. And they, they, they always try to, like, you know, kind of do it slowly and see if they can make it. Yeah. But I would love, I always... I would love to see some youth. In New York, you know, I'd love to I see them. I always think of like Java Chamberlain, though. It's like the poster child for like what can happen to somebody who's just like brought well, up. I mean, Clint with. Fraser too, dude. I mean, like, he yes, was yes, exciting, the and pit- they they ruined him. <laughs> yeah, so there's that hanging over the head too. But I, I like it. It's a bold idea. Do you guys have any other bold New Year's predictions for teams? I like the the bold. Here's one. Uh, Washington Nationals revamp your entire player development set setup. 
That to me isn't bold. It's long overdue. Clean house. They won't. (laughs) (laughs) Here's here's something I've got that is uh, eye-opening to me. So uh, this guy, uh, Pratik Brennan, uh, at Painting Corner on Twitter, uh, did an extensive analysis of players uh, in the minor leagues and how they improved from year to year and how they improved all the way up to the major leagues um, and kind of scored everybody on player development and how, how much their players improved over time. And the Washington Nationals were 25th in hitter development and 24th in pitching development. Uh, the only teams that were worse in both were, uh, well, there it was Baltimore. That's the only well, team that was worth worse in both was Baltimore. Well, you know, I think me and you have talked about this before. They, yeah, we wrote a whole story uh, about it. We wrote a whole story about it because I had a coach that used to be there tell me that, like, check out the fastball velo when these guys get drafted versus when they make it up. I mean, they just don't have a good history of, like, adding anything. And I challenge you to give me a player that Washington has developed. And I'm not talking, like, Steven Strasburg, which was a very obvious top pick. I'm talking – when was the last Him and time Soto were like we 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 selected great yeah. players and they were great. Yes. Like, well, yeah. Harper, Harper, the never... Harper, Strasburg picks were legitimate no brainer. One picks. ones, any, <laughs> the, uh, undisputed number one overall yes. picks. Any GM in history would have, would have picked those players in those spots. So there's no there's no find there. Like it, it's it's the right. thing that happened. You just you you happen to be bad enough at the right time to get franchise altering players. Right. I've, well, I've Soto, had like Soto behind. was signed, but yes, and, but yeah, Soto is big, totally the, Soto's different. Soto is that, a, that was a, that was a okay, that was a fine, but it wasn't a development win as much as it was like a scouting win. I think. Yeah, that, that's my that was my point. It's like those guys didn't spend barely any time in the minor leagues. So yeah. when was the last time they had a fourth Surprise rounder, guy, fifth yeah. rounder, seventh rounder who came up and contributed to the big league team? They really haven't. Um, I've had That's subjective reports, like sort of, you know, this is more like you can't really report, but like whispers of like players that do poorly in their minor league system and then have to go to, you know, these uh, pitching labs and places and get better. And then it makes it makes it look like the Nationals did something. But no, that player actually got better when he went to, you know, this place or that place. You know? <laughs> so That is not unique to the Nationals, though. That happens with a that, lot of teams. Yeah, that does happen. And and they'll even have uh, they'll even sort of count on it or have sort of contracts with these labs to kind of outsource Correct. some of their PD, which makes analysis of PD very hard because a lot of these guys are going to Driveline or, you know, Kinetic Pro or these other places they go. Cressy's yeah. compound. So. Um, you know, the, it does make it hard, but I, I don't hear good things ever about Washington PD. Um, and I don't think the results on the field, <laughs> uh, bear it out. And I think that it's going to get really tough for them, uh, pretty soon, uh, because, you know, they're not going to get the one, one pick, uh, without a major tanking. And they have Soto, who's going to keep them one like single-handedly from being the worst team in baseball. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so they're going to do this weird, uh, mediocre thing unless they revamp PD. Correct. I mean, and they're not interested at... in tanking. They're they're not a tanking team. Mike Rizzo has said that before, which I do admire, and I wish more teams had that mindset of like, we're not going to tank. We're going to try to be good as soon as we can. Um, now they did get some prospects from the Dodgers. Um, when they traded Scherzer and trade Turner, I don't know how much those guys are going to work out. But, but how much do I um, think that Gray is going to develop in Washington when they don't have a track record of developing? You know, Josiah Gray. Correct. So. Yeah, well, there there okay. is problems there. Question: uh, How different 
is the big league coaching staff when they acquire young players who are big league ready, which I would say that Josiah Gray and Kiebert Ruiz would count as two guys who are big league ready. How much does that differ from when they try to develop a prospect from you know rookie ball all the way through? Like I, I think that's potentially different because I'm going back. Like you could have at, a really good yes. pitch, major league pitching coach and paper over some of your PD problems. Sure. Right. I'm, I'm just looking at like the 2019 world series roster. I'm like where, where did these players come from? A, a lot of them were via trade uh, and free agency, right? Even Trey Turner, they, they traded for Trey Turner. That was a, a, a free, amazing free trade. Was a trade. It was a player Morton to be named later. Si- yeah. Signer. Morton was you, you, a signing. You're talking about Braves now. Yeah. Well, you yeah. said world series. I'm talking about 2019. Trey Turner, they traded for Anthony Rendon was actually a guy. They, drafted. they, they got him. Yeah. They actually drafted, but he, he's closer in terms of what he was as a player in college. He was closer to a can't miss. He was more like a Strasburg or Harper. They should, they should still get some yes. sort of credit for not wrecking him. But whatever. there were injury concerns and he dropped to them. So, yes, but you're right. That whole roster. But that was the thing. They were the oldest roster in baseball. This wasn't yeah. a team of homegrown guys brought along that year. They were the oldest team in baseball. They had yeah. Ryan Dozier and, uh, you know, Gerardo Parra. And, yeah. you know, like, so, like, and even that rotation, they bought Scherzer. They did draft oh, so Strasburg. much money Matt. in that. They bought Corbin. Corbin. They bought yeah. Anibal Sanchez. So, they didn't really have like they have Eric Fetty and Joe Ross and Joe Ross, I believe is not homegrown. I think they got him uh, a, a little bit later as a trade, but Eric Fetty's homegrown. But so they don't have those like big homegrown impact success stories. And think uh, about the, the, to me, the, the best player development organization, baseball, or, you know, top three, at least is the Astros and think about how different their world series rotation was. Now they didn't win, but you know, uh, they signed three 21, 20, 21, 22 year old, uh, like Latin American guys. And they were in their, in their, uh, starting rotation in their bullpen doing prominent things. And nobody else in baseball is signing 22 year old Latin American kids, you know, like that's not kids is not even a word that, you know, the 22 is yeah. like, Oh my or God. Adults. Yeah. <laughs> what, they what, have, are you, what are you doing there talking to adults? <laughs> yeah. I do think they have the Nationals done a better job internationally than they have um anywhere yeah. else. Johnny DePueblia, I think, has really turned around that organization. Mm. We mentioned Soto, DVR's boy, Victor Robles. Yeah, what did uh, they do to him? Guy there. Uh, he's in winter he's in winter ball right now. I saw him make an awesome throw. I think Maria Torres yeah. retweeted something and I was like, hey, I'm <laughs> clicking on this. This is a Victor Robles video. Victor Robles, <laughs> exactly. It's gonna happen. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Eno is like throwing out all these uh, <laughs> these crazy scenarios. I like it. I mean, I'm trying to think of some other bold projections for other New Year's other New Year's teams. I mean, could Tampa Bay Rays finally get a stadium or a, I don't know something handled? Is that it's not even bold? All right, let's let's go. Like so let's overdue. go to the more pressing one. Let's 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 find a home for the A's, right? Yeah, that's true oh, too. Just yeah, I, I still, I still just the Las Vegas A's. Ugh. Please no, please don't do I that. I know. I agree. I mean, I don't know. Oh, well, McCullough had that build a dome for the Rockies, which was interesting. Um, build but here's a the dome thing: the Rockies, for the Rockies. Here's the thing: the Rockies have a ton more problems than whether they're doming their stadium. How about like let's start with ownership and let's talk about blowing things up. You know, like the GM sir, everything was just like, hey, let's just promote some people internally. And hope that everything. The guy who's like, been you know here forever, I mean? he'll fix it. He'll change it. He'll fix it. He'll come in and really light a fire. Like I mean, to be huh. fair, probably the scouting was the only thing they were they're doing anything at, and he was their scouting guy, right? It, 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, but, I would look at, at that team and say there's actually some development success stories on the position player side. I know that gets amplified by the ballpark and then it becomes hard to separate. Well, in Patrick's estimation, they were 16th in hitting, but 30th in pitching. Yeah, there's right. always, there's got to be ballpark effects in there, but yeah. You know, I, uh, I've got, I've got, I've got a piece I'm working on with Nick Groke and I've got a, my new year's resolution is to, 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 to work on that because I've got like an hour long, I've got an hour long interview that I don't want to transcribe because transcribing an hour long interview is just like, it's so awful. <laughs> so that's why I keep putting off. Sorry, Nick, if you're listening, we'll get to that. But I also have a, a an interview planned with a sleep expert uh, at Stanford. Uh, and, and so I, there's something to this doming, but I, I almost like want them to like have a pressurized room, uh, like a pressurized nap room. You could sleep at, uh, at sea level at the ballpark. Hmm. Would that cause more problems though? Cause then your body has to adjust again back when well, you get out. I, I think the whole thing is rest and recovery. And so if you can just give people a way to rest and recover, the other part is yes, uh, getting enough oxygen into your lungs. Like that's sort of uh, the thing where, like you know, all the high altitude uh, guys win the Olympics, right? Win the uh, marathons. Um, but I think that that's just going to happen on its own, and you're that's just you work out, you do that. But I think the when I t- talking to players, rest and recovery is just super difficult for them. And you'll see injuries, you'll see uh, just suboptimal performance. Um, so. Uh, Something like that. But I do, I like that idea. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash rates23. That's linkedin.com slash rates23 for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash rates23 and get started. DVR, you got any bold New Year's predictions for teams? (sighs) Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm looking at the the Blue Jays and I'm saying like, what should their resolution be? Because it feels like they've been doing pretty much everything right, trying to launch this team as the core came together, right? And I want to say like, what in in that division, which we talk about year over year, just being so incredibly difficult to win. What do they have to do to actually? get into the playoffs and do damage. What's missing with the Blue Jays? And I think it's probably more bullpen depth. They need a little more impact there. It's one spot. Otherwise, like one more infielder. I I think the resolution is to commit and say, we're going to go get Jose Ramirez in a trade. We're going to add that one more impact guy. That would be really, really interesting. Because they're already flirting with the Houston level, you know, 
big WRC plus low K percentage lineup that just beats you up a ton of different ways. You go one more in with Ramirez, you're better protected in case injuries are more of an issue. I know they missed George Springer for a good chunk of last year. I think they have to do it. I think especially starting in that division, you can never have too Vigio. much. Yeah, starting Vigio and, yeah. and Espinal on in this division and on that team just seems like, it, yeah, you're right. I think it's begging for for one of them to be pushed into kind of a utility yeah. role. Yeah, you got to push right, the though. last few chips in if you're Toronto. You're doing like I have no qualms with how they've got to this point, but don't stop now. Yeah. Yeah. They're an interesting team. And like you look at the roster and how young they are and you know those guys are going to continue to get better. We talked about the Yankees and how their projections might be higher. The Toronto, I mean, good luck projecting how good Vlad Guerrero Jr. is going to be, right? Like it seems like there's no real limit for some of these guys they have. So I agree. Let's go all in. Let's like absolutely make Toronto just like be mashing and run the ALE. So that would be a great story. I'd love it. I'd love it if it's Jays and Rays and then like five games of separation or more between Yankees, Red Sox this year. Like I, I would love it to turn into more of a two-team race. Yeah, and the free agent options, I mean, uh, you know, what do you get? I guess Biggio is a left-hander. You could go get like a Josh Harrison or a Donovan Solano, uh, two right-handed infielders. And and that would be the kind of like incremental approach. But I, I think I like this idea of going big. Yeah, I do too. Speaking of going big, if you're the Mets, it has to be like also a big resolution, right? I mean, one, they need to unsurp the Braves. So basically run the NL East the last couple of years. But I think when you look at the moves that they made, they're a team that like, it kind of seems like World Series are bust, at least NLCS are bust. I mean, this needs to be, a huge step forward after last year and all the optimism. And then, you know, that whole collapse towards the end of the first half. I think if you're the Mets, you know, the Mets fan base, you got Buck Showalter, you got Max Scherzer, uh, you know, you've got all of these exciting additions. You've got the money, you've got the ownership. Um, the Mets are going to have to go big or go home. That it, That's exactly what it feels like. We talked about the Yankees being the same way. And I think, I think it has to be like that for the Mets. Yeah, yeah, I think I mean, it's interesting because they got a little change in their pockets, right? Like in Jeff McNeil and J.D. Davis and Dominic Smith. I mean, we we talk about wanting to build teams that have depth. And so the depth is never bad. And so you could go to battle with those guys. But it does seem like you could go to battle with two out of those three guys and turn that last guy into maybe a fifth starter that's better than Tyler Mayfield, right? And and get more depth on the pitching side. I think that might yeah. be that might be the move is is trade Jeff McNeil for a pitcher. I, really I think I, I think they line up really well with Oakland. And uh, we were just talking about this on Under the Radar earlier today. If if you look at Oakland, we've talked about all the ways this team could be dismantled. They always try to play the middle, as we've said. I, I believe that that's generally true. Things can be different this time. Frankie Montas is the guy that you want the most if you're trading. It, like it, it's The question isn't even like, how long do you have him even? Of the pitchers they have, which one do you like the most? I think the consistent answer from everybody is going to be Frankie Montas. Now, you would have him longer than Bassett and Manaya and two years. That's supposed to one. That's that's nice. So like that's that's extra. I think they line up perfectly with Oakland because part of playing the middle is being willing to take guys with flaws and who are big league ready and just letting them play and see what happens. And 
I would say that describes Dominic Smith because we've seen him show signs of being a well above average big league hitter. He's played out of position for a long time. If they also trade Matt Olson somewhere, guess what? Dominic Smith's your first baseman. J.D. Davis, yeah, he's not at all Matt Chapman, but he'd throw him at third base, throw him in left field, maybe even make him a regular DH. He's going to hit enough to, to be an everyday guy. Jeff McNeil fits really well in Oakland, too. You could take a bundle of guys, some combination of those guys or all of them, and actually make a package that Oakland would be willing to give up Frankie Montas to get. Because I think Oakland's different. I think they they kind of either go like injured prospects to get more, or they go like big league ready guys where the star the star level ceiling's not necessarily there, but you're getting years of control and you're getting guys that you can throw in that lineup on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. They want yeah. they want pop up prospects is another thing they like is is prospects that are are performing well but aren't thought of that well in the scouting community. Yeah. And I'm sure you it, can I mean, you can find one. If you're Oakland, I mean, you have to hit on all these trades, right? Like that's going to be your new year's resolution is hit on the trades cuz we're dismantling our team. And if you hit on them, you hope that the rebuild cycle is fairly quick and they can kind of get back to being that know plucky competitive Oakland A's type of team um but honestly I kind of feel bad Mark Kotze the first year manager there um it's going to be a rough rough sledding for a couple of years in Oakland but again you just have to hope that the front office They're hoping they make that savvy yeah they make that Simeon Bassett trade again yes exactly you, that's really what you have to hope for and um you know they could have a quick turnaround if they hit on these trades like they it could be you know a fairly quick cycle where they're back up again you just you just don't really know and like you guys were we were saying earlier they've got the stadium issues and it's just a really tough time to be an Oakland A's fan what did you both think of the, the I don't remember who the original report I just know trade rumors picked it up and I just saw the headline but Matt Chapman to the Yankees but maybe as a shortstop I just thought that was kind of bizarre like if if the Yankees don't get Trevor Story yeah you could see him going somewhere else and playing second base I've suggested the White Sox. I've suggested the Blue Jays. He could he could follow Marcus Simeon's footsteps and try to go that route. That worked out just fine for Marcus Simeon in the end. One difference, Marcus Simeon a year ago did not have the qualifying offer or draft pick compensation on him. The A's did not give Marcus Simeon the qualifying offer when he became a free agent. The Jays, of course, did. So they, they got the draft pick when he left for Texas. But if you miss on story... Brian Cashman doesn't go into panic mode, but the Yankees will still try to do something. And it's Matt Olson or Matt Chapman or maybe both, probably just one. But Matt Chapman at shortstop was just something I didn't think any team would do, even though he's an amazing third baseman. Like, is that even plausible? Like, to, they, could, they could actually go that route and take someone who's not a shortstop and just make him a shortstop? There's a, there's a really, yeah, I, I kind of share Brits. I don't know. There's a really interesting piece that's uh, relevant to this by Russell Carlton in baseball perspectives this last week about uh, the, the defensive spectrum and wins above replacement. And just the idea that uh, you could take a guy who was a plus 10 plus 15 third baseman like Matt Chapman and just put him at, at short and it would work out because uh, the defensive numbers say they should, you know? Um, which is very different than uh, what it actually what it actually works like in player development or when you're trying to put a team together when you talk to players, right? When you talk to players, yeah, shortstop is very different than third base. You know, uh, third base, you only have to basically cover half of what you have to do with shortstop because you have the line. You know, you have this line thing that you're that you're that that sort of protects you or that you're you're always thinking about how far you are from the line. 
Whereas at shortstop, you're you just got that wide expanse in both directions. You don't you don't have a line protecting you. And so I do wonder if like maybe Chapman plus Urshela, who has a good defensive reputation, like you just put two really good defenders over there and you hope to have basically average defense out of the two. It's it's bold. It's bold. Uh, and I kind of I kind of dig it from an analytical standpoint, but I, I think that the players themselves would not dig it. Yeah, it is bold. I kind of think of Manny Machado and what happened with him. And I remember, you know, he came up, they put him at third base. He was terrific. But and he was a shortstop really, coming up, right? Yeah, yes. Um, I was going to get to that. So, but then yeah, they sorry. moved him. Yeah. No, you're fine. But then they moved him to shortstop because he badly wanted to play shortstop. He came up, he was drafted as a shortstop. He thought shortstop was so cool. They moved him to shortstop and it did not go well for a while because he That's wasn't right. used to being involved in every play. I remember how exhausted, talked about how exhausted he was. This mm-hmm. is a guy who had surgeries on both of his knees. All of a sudden, like you are literally, as you know, was saying you're the captain of the infield. You are involved in so much. It's so much more of a physical wear and tear on guys than they realize. And when Machado moved back to third base, uh, obviously in San Diego, they had Tatis. Uh, he, I remember he was happy about it. I think it's not quite as easy as people realize, oh, this guy's a really good defender. Let's just move him over a little bit. They're totally different positions, totally different physical requirements. And also it's mentally exhausting, guys have talked about, because there is no break. You have so many more things to worry about, uh, covering bases, backing things up. There's so many more things involved than just fielding from a different position on the field. Yeah, uh, I was talking to uh, a, a team, a, a coach about uh, how they track um, fatigue and how they, how they, uh, how they think about uh, when they had to rest their veteran shortstop. Um, and they mentioned that that one of the things that's so difficult about shortstop and the thing that they track and they actually have someone tracking this is starts and stops. And so the shortstop, there's so many more plays where they, uh, even if they don't touch the ball, they have to move towards the ball, right? There's so many plays where they're like, oh, I, oh no, it's to the second baseman where it's a single or whatever. You know what I mean? They, like there's so many plays where they start and they have to, they have to like maybe even dive and not get to it, or they have to go to second. They have to do something. <laughs> I mean, think about the left fielder. He's like, well, that ball's not near me. Well, that ball's not near yeah. me. That ball's not near me. <laughs> the shortstop is always Often like bubbles. starting. I got to go to second. I got to go to third. I got to cover. I got to do this. I got So they're always they're starting and stopping. And they said, that's, that's like, that's fatigue is where you, you get the, the fatigue out of starting and stopping. I'm trying to look up right now. Um, the internet is not helping, but when was the last time that Chapman actually played short? I just thought when he was coming up, he was part of a team. I think that A's group was, if I remember correctly, it was Chapman Olsen and maybe Daniel Robertson. And he never Robertson, he played it. He played. I don't think he ever played it because Robertson was always the shortstop on those teams. I've, I've got it open now. He played 10 games in double A and two games at Cal State Fullerton. I mean, okay, yeah. so uh, there's that, but like, I know the and Reds one did game it. in the majors, two games in the majors. So you're talking about 14 yeah. games in his entire career. He's played shortstop. It's this is a little different. Enough. Well, this is different than Eugenio Suarez trying to play shortstop. Just because that failed well, doesn't mean this would fail. Yes, but Suarez but even had more history. Suarez yeah. had been a shortstop. Yeah, no, I, I, that's the that's the funny thing about <laughs> so it. But I just, yeah. I, but I, I think when I when I looked at Defensive measures for Suarez as a third baseman, and just just kind of seeing his body type and how he moves, it was kind of like, 
that guy at shortstop again? Yeah. I think he might have outgrew the position. <laughs> at, at his age? Yeah, he got bigger. He just outgrew it. And with yeah. Chapman, it's weird, but I, I can kind of talk myself into it. He's just, a little I, bit closer body type. He's younger. Yeah. And How by the way, this um this came from Tina? this came from the 20, Michael K show originally. Buster only from ESPN was a guest. Oh, Chapman's a little older than I thought. Twenty eight, it'll be twenty nine, pretty much opening day age. I mean, the end of April. So this is twenty nine season. Um, I, d- I, d- I don't think I like it. I there's I a part of me that wants to like it because you know it'd be different and it's bold and it, the analytics say that maybe it should work, but I don't. I don't think I like it. I, I don't like it either. I also think with Matt Chapman and curious what you both think about this. Moving a player defensively, I think, can have could have downside effects on their offensive performance. And you and what you want from Chapman is a bounce back offensively. Right. You're already you're already hoping for a, a better version of Chapman to play. I believe in a Matt Chapman bounce back as a as a hitter anyway. I just be like ball hard and focus on the high fastball. Figure out how to hit the high fastball. I don't want to ask you to also focus how to play shortstop right now. I think yeah. we saw enough from him as a hitter in 18 and 19 with the K rates consistently under 25% where I think he can get the K rate back down in the future. Still still going to provide power either way. So I bet he would like him as a bounce back. How bat. about Chapman yeah. to the Blue Jays? Also, also good in, in, in the, in the event that Cleveland's asking price is too high or someone else comes along. Yeah. Having a, a backup option. I think that would be a good fit. Agreed. I, I, that's a good point though, DVR. Like the, you don't want to ask a guy to play a new position because there are ramifications offensively, especially we talked about the, phys, the physicality. Yeah, yeah. And, he's and now going to be beat up. And yeah. yeah, Manny was just exhausted. And again, a lot younger. And I think when you when you look at that, and I, I believe Manny's numbers offensively may have dipped a little bit. It wasn't quite as fun. I, I remember in his head, he thought like shortstop was going to be so awesome. You know, he's going <laughs> to be such a cooler position than third. And turns out not only is he much better at third, but it's much less phys- it's a lot better physically for him. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I think when you try to ask someone to do a new role, all of a sudden Chapman's legs hurt, right? Because he's been doing the start and stop, you know, I was talking about. Well, that yeah. lower half is what powers your swing. There's all kinds of ramifications for that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah. The other uh, connected thought here, right? If you want to put Matt Chapman in Toronto and, and my resolution for them is to keep going. To, it, is that a resolution? It's encouragement. <laughs> I'll like push the, the chips in. Uh, yeah, push yeah. push the chip. Keep pushing chips in. Okay, what are you sending back to Oakland? Thinking about again a package of players they'd be interested in. <sighs> I, I think here Kevin Biggio is a guy you'd send back. Like you'd say, okay, oh, like he, he can play every day in Oakland. I think they'd be they'd be into wow. that. You've mm. got big league catching depth, but they don't need that, so that doesn't help you. Like Sean, like Sean Murphy's their catcher. Like they're not they're not going to be as interested in Alejandro Kirk as other teams would be, or as interested in even Danny Jansen as other teams would be. Um, some, well, they, some, but I guess you could well, go you could go higher end if, if if they wanted to move one of those guys. Right. Well, they've shown maybe, a willingness, right, Toronto, to move some of their top prospects to win now. So right, they, they did it with the Barrios trade. So uh, and now is the time to do that. They've got what two guys in the top MLB.com's like top one hundred. It looks like. Um, I think uh, Jordan Groshans and yep. Gabriel Moreno are pretty like they're. The, um, I think Groshans Orlo, could Orlo go. Orlovis Martinez is in here. Orlovis, yeah, he's he's good. Orlovis Martinez is a good prospect too. And you could get a you could get a, an interesting mix because if if the Jays are willing to move Nate Pearson, the injured pitching prospect is 
exactly a thing that Oakland takes chances on. There's oh, a yeah. lot yes. of evidence. And I was, that. I was so, looking, I was right now just looking for their best, you know, their best depth. But if they made it a bigger deal and it was Chapman plus maybe one of the one year guys, Manaya or, um, or Bassett, um, then you could put Pearson and Biggio in. And that would be yeah. a totally an A's deal right there. And, and a prospect, not obviously not Moreno, probably not Groshan. That gets a little aggressive. Probably not. I mean, Mark it could even be somebody like Thomas Hatch. Yeah. Thomas Hatch, yeah. where it's like Thomas the Hatch. A's are like, I like that guy. We could plug him into our into our rotation right away. Here's another A's guy that the Jays have right now: Kevin Smith, infielder up at AAA, a little older, has nowhere to play in Toronto. And that guy could a play stop. a ton. Could play a ton in Oakland. They need they need a shortstop in Oakland. Okay, so we nice. we are we are there. We go, situation. Kevin Smith. It's 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 a lot though. I mean, Vigio, you know, still has years of control left, and Pearson. Uh, it seems to be a lot of people have high hopes for him, but but you're getting a lot. I mean, getting yeah. a lot. It's an interesting idea. Vigio, Kevin Smith, and Pearson like for Bassett and uh, and Matt Chapman. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I like this. You know what? You know, we should write like a bold trade for Toronto ideas because obviously I have nothing going on and no story ideas. So, or maybe would, yeah, yeah, maybe a, a list of five bold trades. Five bold trades. People love bold trades. I love bold trades. <laughs> I think bold trades are amazing. Everyone loves the bold trade, and hopefully, we're not that <laughs> far away from from getting them back. Uh, any other oh resolution type things oh, on your mind? I got a resolution for you. Get to the table. Oh God! Why did nobody say that? How about like, get to just, the just, table? No, not even that. How about schedule a meeting? <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Oh Talk. my God! I, here's my here's my bold resolution, guys. I think all negotiations should literally involve both parties locked in a room, not allowed to come out, not allowed to eat, drink, take bathroom breaks until it's resolved. You want to talk about <laughs> short lockouts? That's it. Here's some cups. We'll give you some water so you don't die. Give you some water bottles. That's what my husband does when he goes hunting. Like, takes plastic water bottles. There you go. Take those water bottles inside with you. Uh, you drink them and then you hunt? use them again. People are so weird. Um, <laughs> I'm glad people do it, and I'm glad it makes people happy. It it just um, you know I don't have the the genes that are are happy. I've enjoyed shooting activity. guns, but I just done it at uh at, at you know at places shooting where you range. Shoot yeah, shooting range. Yeah, yeah, totally. I did that once just because I thought it would be a good skill to have. Like, what if someone breaks in and I'm home alone? Like, I need to know. I think it's a good skill. Uh, but yeah, sitting alone in a cold hole when it's 20 degrees here, not for me. If I'm home alone and someone breaks in, I'm throwing micro machines on the floor and then <laughs> running through the house and throwing paint cans oh. at them. Hoping I, Hazel attacks them. Sorry to bring up stats, but uh, yeah, the stats say if you have a, a gun in the house, you're more likely to injure yourself. Oh, yeah. thanks, you yeah. know. Um, no, actually, I, I'm I'm just the the baseball bat guy because I'm not missing with a bat. Like, uh, this is not going to happen. Yeah. yeah, true. And if they take the bat from me or if they have something better, then I put the bat down and I say... What would you like from my house? You know what? That's true. Maybe, maybe the maybe <laughs> the resolution should be actual home security systems. Yeah. <laughs> what would you like from my house, except for my children? Yeah, uh, yeah. I have a black belt in karate, and I've never been. I I have a black belt in taekwondo. Uh, nice. My parents my parents wanted us to be able to defend ourselves, and I've never actually used it. And I kind of always wanted to use it, but now it's like almost too late because I'm like old and out of practice. Did you and even I would remember probably, any of it? <laughs> yeah, I'd kick someone and like pull a muscle, but. Like, you know. <laughs> 
Well, if, as long as you hit them, it's a, it's a fair trade off to make, right? You can land <laughs> sure. the kick, pull a muscle. It's probably still on the ground. <laughs> sure. Yeah, just got to make it a really good kick. Uh, on that very cheery, <laughs> bizarre note, uh, <laughs> we are going to go. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Eno's at Eno Saris. Britt is at Britt underscore Jaroli. I am at Derek Van Riper. The podcast has a Twitter account. It has never tweeted, but it will tweet soon at Rates and Barrels. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to barrel up on the like button. If you haven't subscribed to The Athletic already, theathletic.com slash rates and barrels gets you 33% off a subscription. I have no idea if there's going to be some kind of super bundle that gets you New York Times cooking and crossword and everything else all together. I'm sure so something, some something will be there. We don't have that offer yet. Sorry. Um, you know, If you just like what we're doing, you can still support us at theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. That's going to do it for this episode of Rates and Barrels. We are back with you on Monday. Thanks for listening.